Romans chapter 11 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? In Job chapter 12, we read, With God are wisdom and might, and he has understanding and counsel. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong all wisdom and might. Again in Job 9, He is wise in heart, and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against God and succeeded? What does the Bible mean when it talks about the wisdom of God? We would all know and say quickly, yes, the Bible teaches that God is wise, but what does that mean? I think we often forget that the Bible says that God is wise. We, we, in that we don't call it to mind, we don't meditate on it, but I think we also make a mistake, perhaps a more serious mistake, in the way that we define the wisdom of God. What does it mean that God is wise? Perhaps you have an older relative that you would consider wise. Is God just like a really wise version of that guy? What does it mean? So often we limit God's wisdom to simply knowledge, Like mere knowledge or intelligence. Like God is really, really smart. And he is. God knows how fast a snail is. God knows the number of the grains of sand on the shore. He knows every thought that has ever been considered by man. There's even an area of knowledge... (laughs) <laughs> that uh, is, <laughs> there's an area of knowledge that, that scholars understand God to have, that God understands every contingency. He, he understands what would happen if you thought something different and how that would change the world. He understands everything that has happened, everything that will happen, everything that is happening, and he knows everything that could happen. Every possible scenario. I can't even get my colors of pink straight. He knows the depths of the sea. He knows the number of stars. And yet we use dictionaries for our own language. I've found that I can't even remember how to get somewhere. I have to use my phone to navigate around Johnson City. God knows and sees all. God is smart, but God's wisdom goes far beyond knowing facts. God's wisdom has a moral dimension. There's a moral dimension in that not only does God have all of the facts that exist and all of the facts that could exist, but he knows exactly what to do with them. That's encouraging. J.I. Packer calls wisdom. Wisdom is the power to see, the power to know, And it's the inclination to choose the best and highest goal. And it means the surest means of attaining it. 
Okay, now that's J.I. Packer talking, and he's really smart, and he's Anglican, right? So he's really smart. So basically what he's saying is, God knows everything, and he always chooses the best thing, and he always chooses the best way to accomplish things. He knows everything, he always makes the right decisions, and he always makes the right decisions to make the right result. Again, J.I. Packer says that God's wisdom is omniscience, governing, governing omnipotence. Perfect wisdom, governing perfect power. It is omniscience, governing omnipotence. God's ability, wisdom is God's ability to use his infinite power perfectly all the time. You know God can do whatever he wants. Nothing frustrates God's plans. Do you remember that? Nothing. Think of how much of your life has been a story and a series of frustrated plans. Right? We, we could laugh at our failed attempts to do things. I was in the basement the other day with my wife. And uh, I was walking around uh, my weightlifting set, and I smashed into the bar and cut my arm open and yelled like a little kid, right? I lack the ability to sufficiently walk around a corner without hurting myself, right? How different is this from God? God knows what to do. He has perfect power. He's never frustrated in his plans, Isaiah 46, verse 10 says, I am God, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. God always succeeds in what he does and he always knows what to do. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. This is an important distinction. But because if God was wise, but not powerful, he would be like a pitiful, weak nerd. Like a nerd from the 80s movies, right? Where he's like, he knows, he's got all this more stuff, but he can't do anything. He would be like a pathetic, broken reed, but if God was only powerful and not wise, he would be a terror. He would be terrifying. It'd be like trying to use a hurricane to pressure wash your beach house. Overkill. God's endless knowledge and limitless power are united and governed by his boundless wisdom. In Isaiah 28, we read, This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Now think about how different this is from human wisdom. We have limited knowledge. It would be pitiful if we compiled our knowledge together. Right? We have limited power. Very limited power. We don't always make the best decisions. We don't choose the best goals. We don't know what is best. We struggle to determine what is good and right and beautiful. We make miscalculations. 
And not only that, even if we had power, even if we had knowledge, even if we had the right goal, none of us even have enough self-control to accomplish it, right? Every person in this room knows how to be healthy, to eat right. And who in the world does it, right? It's not a knowledge thing. It's a self-control thing. We struggle on all of these fronts. This reminds us that if we are to have wisdom at all, where are we to get it? God is the source of wisdom. He is the creator of all things and he is the creator of wisdom. There is no wisdom in the universe that does not come as a gift from him. In Job chapter 12, we read, With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. Do you remember where James instructs us to go? If we lack wisdom, where do we go? We go straight to the source. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. He goes on to say, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. We need to be reminded of this so frequently. And I would, be, I would bet that everybody in here agrees with all of this. But we need to remember this part as well. We are not wise. We do not have wisdom within ourselves. If there is any wisdom that we have, it is from God. We are totally and utterly dependent on him. Any other wisdom, any human wisdom is not a thing. It's not true wisdom at all. God is wise. Now we could explore applications galore on this, but I, wanna, I just want to ask one application question tonight. What does this mean for our trials? What does this mean for our difficulties? What does this mean when you and I look at our lives, and every single one of us can, look at our lives and see circumstances that we don't understand? Things that have happened this week, this month, in this season of your life, in the last 10 years. Things that have happened, things that are happening right now that you don't understand. Things that you are wondering, is this, I mean, is this really the best way? I mean, if God knows everything, we all agree. And if God always chooses the best thing, right, we all agree. And if he always does it the best way, and he, if he always does it to get the best results, then why in the world does he do it like this in my life? Like how does that make sense with my circumstances? It is so easy for me to say this about your problems, right? But as soon as I apply these to my problems, I'm scratching my head. It just doesn't seem to be the case. In 1966, at 9.15 in the morning... In South Wales, in the community of Aberfan, an elementary school was just getting started for the day. 109 elementary school children and five teachers. They were beginning their lessons when a waste tip, which is the, the waste that comes from coal mining, they pile up in these massive mountains, 
a massive slimy pile of coal waste, including rocks and debris and, and water, slithered down into the valley and into the elementary school and killed every single one of those 109 children, including the teachers. They suffocated under coal waste. In the aftermath of the disaster, the BBC interviewed a pastor. And as you might imagine, the question came up, how would a God that is good and powerful and loving, how could he let this happen? And the pastor answered, I quote, well, I suppose that we have to admit that this is one of those occasions when the Almighty made a mistake. Now this response is appalling to us. It's, bla- it's blasphemous. But when it comes to the trials and the difficulties of our lives, don't you wonder sometimes? It, we may not go so far to say God made a mistake. Maybe we have. I've talked with folks who have attended here. And they don't any longer because God made a mistake to them. And now they only come at Christmas. Maybe you're not there, but don't you understand the sentiment? I mean, haven't you sometimes wondered, God, are are you making a mistake in my life? I mean, couldn't you relate to the sentiment of a Christian parent watching their child struggle with leukemia and say something like this, I sure hope God knows what he's doing. Couldn't you relate to that sentiment? Friends, this is why the doctrine of the wisdom of God is so precious and so helpful to us. Let's just, let me just make this really simple. I call this theological math sometimes. We're going to take two truths and we're going to put them together, right? So let's, and we'll keep them real simple. We could do this with a hundred, a hundred different promises in the Bible. God is infinitely wise. Okay, that's A. And then let's add it to B, right? And for the sake of tonight, let's just say this. God is infinitely wise and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. Theological math. God is wise. God works all things for good. God is wise plus God works all things for good. You see, when we have these two truths hand in hand, we should never be surprised. We should never be discouraged. We should never be vexed by the trials that we face. We should never be surprised when they seem to disrupt our happiness. Have you ever had that time? Things were just starting to go good and then something came in and messed it up. Or maybe you're like me and then there's been times in your life where something good happens and you're like, all right, where's the bad thing going to come, right? Because I can't be good for long. We shouldn't be surprised. In fact, the Bible says, Christian, don't be surprised. Beloved, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But but we're always surprised, aren't we? I mean, a little bit, 
Like, aren't we always surprised when we face trial? It just doesn't seem like it should be this hard. And in our surprise, we are tempted on some level to doubt the wisdom of God. We, we, we question, what do these trials mean? Like, why is this change at work messing with my flow? Why this insurance bill? Why did this rate go up? Why did this change? Why this health problem? Why, this, why isn't my marriage getting better? Why am I not seeing victory over this sin? What is happening? Why isn't Emma getting better? Why? 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 Well, from here, there's a sense in where the answer is simple. The trials in my life and the trials in your life, they simply mean this. If you're a Christian, that God in his wisdom intends to make something out of us that we have not yet attained. That God in his wisdom intends to make something out of us that he has not yet attained and he is dealing with us accordingly. Drawing upon all of his knowledge, with every single ounce of power at his disposal and ready, considering every possible factual and counterfactual piece of information, God has looked and he has determined the perfect way to accomplish his goal in your life, and that is your trial. God has determined the perfect way to accomplish his goal in your life. And you can rest assured, if there was a better way to teach you, he would do that thing. That's what it means to be wise, right? If there were a better, if there were a better way to teach you patience, God would make your children obedient. If there was a better way to teach you patience, he would remove the suffering. If there was a better way to teach you to trust in God, God would do that thing. If there was a better way to draw you closer to communion with him, he would do that thing. If there was a better way to teach you to deny yourself, then he would do that thing because he is all wise. Friends, could it be possible that God is preparing you for some task or some form of service that you cannot even imagine right now? If you were to write down everything you knew about heaven, would it not fit on a piece of paper? There is so much coming that we do not know and understand. Oh, the depth of the wisdom and the riches and the knowledge. No eye has seen, no ear could understand what God has prepared for those who love him. So yes, your Tuesday afternoon trial has purpose. He's preparing you. He's preparing a place for us and he's preparing us for that place. Could it be possible that there are things you do not know? Oh, you mere human who does not even know the number of hairs on your head and you have access to your head. In a world of infinite possibilities, could it be possible that there are things that you have not yet considered? Could it be that the depth and the riches of the knowledge of God are just beyond your level of intelligence? Could it be that the depth of God is too deep for you? Could it be? 
Could it be that when it comes to the best version of your future in eternity, that God has chosen not to consult with you because you're not that helpful to an all-wise God? I mean, are you really offended that he has not sought your counsel? How is this a surprise to us? I was writing these words thinking, what an idiot I am. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? We need that picture of God answering Job out of the whirlwind. Gird up your loins like a man and answer me. Be silent. I am wise. Friends, you may be utterly bewildered at the things that God is allowing to happen in your life. I said just this week, what is God doing? And I didn't say that in a worshipful spirit. (laughs) What is he doing? I don't know. But I can assure you this. God knows exactly what he is doing. And just because he doesn't tell you the details doesn't mean that he doesn't have them under control. I do not tell my children many details, but I have them under control. God is under zero obligation to explain himself to us. Zero. And so often, he chooses to leave us entirely in the dark. Just consider the life of Job. We sit back and look on horrific tragedy. We see the scene played out in heaven as God has Satan come before his throne, submissive and scared and trembling and making suggestions to the Almighty God. God sees it all. Do you know who doesn't? Job. It wasn't until death that he understood. God leaves us in the dark. And he has purposes. And we have absolutely zero right to ask or to presume. Because he is wise. He knows the outcome of suffering in the dark. And if it would turn out better for you, if he told you, guess what he would do? He would tell you. Because he is wise. I think it was Tim Keller who said something like this. He said, if you knew all that God knew, you would order the details of your life in the exact same way. Because God is wise. He may leave us in the dark in our circumstances, but friends, he has not left us in the dark on his character. It's not as though we worship a God that we don't know is wise. He has told us he is wise. He gave Job like 85 object lessons to get it concrete in our heads because we don't understand big words, so we need to see where the ostriches give birth. He's making it plain. He's told us about his wisdom. And friends, I think that is better than knowing the details. Because I would rather know the character of my father than the plans of some man in charge of my life. He has not left us in the dark. A.W. Tozer said something along these lines. He said that God has charged himself 
with the full responsibility for our eternal happiness. And beginning with the cross of Jesus Christ, he has taken over our lives. He has taken over our destiny. He has taken over the plight of all who have turned to him by faith. And he is good at planning. Therefore, should we not repudiate our own wisdom and take instead the infinite wisdom of God? Let me close with one last verse before I lead us in a time of prayer and confession and assurance of pardon. Let me just invite you to go ahead and close your eyes as I read this passage from Isaiah chapter 42 and then I'll lead us into another text in a time of prayer. Isaiah 42, the Lord says, And I will lead the blind in a way they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, says God, and I do not forsake them. I'd like to move into a time of prayer where we are called to confession. The scriptures say, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Lord of all wisdom, we thank you for the wisdom by which you made this world. You order all nature and you order all history by that wisdom, working all things according to your holy will. And furthermore, you order even our personal lives by your wisdom, bringing into them the exactly right combination of joy and sorrow, trials and blessing, to shape us into the image of your beloved Son. Lord, we confess that we deeply lack wisdom. We have not feared you, but instead we have feared people and circumstances. We've given the reverence and the awe to created things and to the order that belongs to you as our creator. We have rejected your perfect wisdom, the wisdom revealed in your word, preferring instead to entrust the wisdom of the world. We have sought to define for ourselves what is good and what is evil. We've done this in our relationships, in our speech, in our work, in our sexuality. We failed to love others as we ought instead of hurt them with foolish and unkind words or perhaps with cold and heartless silence. Lord, so many times we've grumbled about your providences. We've complained about the circumstances of our lives instead of recognizing and delighting in your fatherly wisdom that does all things well. 
Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you are the wisdom of God. Living among us as a man, you reverenced your heavenly father perfectly. You always obeyed his wise word and you knew perfectly how to respond to every situation and in every relationship. You gave gentle answers when they were appropriate. You spoke convicting words when they were necessary. And you held your peace when that was the wisest response. You never, not once, complained about your father's will for your life. Even though it meant learning obedience through suffering for us. In the end, you paid the penalty for our sinful folly and foolishness that it deserves so that through the wisdom of the cross you might accomplish the Father's plan to redeem your people. Holy Spirit of wisdom, teach us to seek after wisdom passionately. Wisdom is your gift, so give us desires. Give us hearts that want it and pursue it. Show us how your wisdom will always lead us back to the cross. It will always lead us on to obedience, and it will always lead us upward toward our heavenly home. And spirit of wisdom, hasten the day when we will join the crowd around the throne in heaven, lost in reverence before the God of all wisdom and the Lamb who was slain for our sins. It's in this we say, Amen. Church, if I can now give you an assurance of pardon from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. This, not the sin that we just prayed over, this is your identity in Jesus Christ.